Let me ask you a question. How are you doing? No, really, how are you doing? Yeah? Are you pandemicing well? Uh-huh. Some, yeah, I'm good. Some not so well. Some I'm fine. I'll be okay somewhere in between there. It's been crazy. What what happened in 2020? We've got we've got everything from protests to riots to to pandemics to political infighting intrigue to murder hornets. What the heck? I mean, it has been an incredible year. And and one of the things I find that I struggle with most with this season is the inability to plan. The ability to kind of feel like I'm in control enough to look down the road and say, okay, we're going to plan this, or we're going to go on this vacation, or we're going to do this with church, or we're going to do this with the family, and, and, and this is what school is going to be like, you know, in the fall, because school's going to be different, and we've been doing school for like 200 years the way we've been doing school, and now it's going to be different, and, and so I don't know about you, but, but I feel a little out of control. There are times where I feel some significant anxiety. And, and then I, I get around some other people feel anxiety, and their anxiety connects me, and they send me emails and texts, and they look at Facebook. And, and, and in the midst of all of this, I, I find myself asking the question, I've actually been asked this question, you know, Paul, Pastor Paul, what do you think we need more than anything else? Do we need to mobilize? Do we need to prepare? Do we need to hunker down? Do we need to go forward? And, and I, I can say with, with deep confidence and deep conviction that the word God has said to me, the, the thing the Holy Spirit has impressed upon my heart for this day, for this season, is that there is a deep and profound need to rediscover the gospel. There is a deep and profound need, no matter what any of these issues we're talking about, to rediscover the story of God that has the hero of Jesus Christ. There's this, 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 this good news that we believe, we believe that Jesus really lived. And when he lived, he taught us a different way to live and a different way to teach people and a different way uh, deal about being in control and having rights and laying down our rights. He taught us different ideals about what is powerful and what it actually means to be in control. He taught us a radically different way to live. Jesus really lived. We also believed that he really died, and, and his death was, was the center of human history, that in his death came the forgiveness, the atonement, the, the washing away of all the sins of humanity. And, and when we put our faith and trust in what he did on the cross, our worst moments become part of our past, and the further we get away from them, the more they drift, and they'll ultimately be completely forgotten. Never brought up again. And in our best moments are, are those moments that God is building on and creating and moving us towards a destiny where we're created to be like him. And, and so, so we're, we're, we're believing in the death of Jesus Christ for our forgiveness. We believe that the death of Jesus Christ has given us a new standing with God, that we are no longer strangers. We're no longer just church attenders. We're no longer, you know, uh, sinners. We are sons and daughters of God. And it doesn't matter what happens or what people say or what side we're on. We are children of God. And, and we believe that he really lived, he really died, and we really believe he rose from the dead. And because he rose from the dead, 
it changes the way we look at death. It changes the way we even look at things like sickness and hardship. We understand that those are temporary. Light and momentary is what the Bible describes them as. Because we have a different perspective. But that perspective is only powerful in our life if the gospel is powerful in our life. You see, we, we need to take the song we just sang seriously. We need to move it from our head to our heart. And we need to not just be people who agree with the facts of the gospel. We're excited about the gospel. We need to be people who rediscover the gospel. And, and one of the things that I have begun to do during this season of pandemic is to preach the gospel to myself every day. Preach, that's what the old preachers used to say, is you got to preach the gospel to yourself. Another way is, is speak the truth to the gospel of yourself every day. There's all kinds of ways you can do it. You can do it by just remembering one of the, maybe the creeds you had from your childhood, that is say, I believe in God the Father Almighty. I believe in God. And, and I believe in Jesus Christ, his son. I believe he was born of a virgin. I believe that he suffered, died. I believe he rose from the dead. I believe those things. And because I believe those things, they shape who I am and how I'm going to live. It, it can look like in the morning, opening up and reading the stories of Jesus and the teaching of Jesus and the letters to his early church. I encourage us to really be in the New Testament during this season because we just really need to be uh, in that season. It's what we're doing here as a church and going through Galatians. It can be a thing where we remind ourselves with just a simple declaration. One of the things that, that I wrote years ago and I rewrite regularly, our Men of Influence group did this uh, last year, is I wrote a personal declaration of who I am in Christ. Because Christ really lived, he really died, he really rose from the dead, I am loved, I am forgiven, I am accepted, I am blessed, I am fortunate, I have future, I have a hope. And I declare that to myself. I preach the gospel to myself. Because I'm being preached at from the world to be afraid and to despair and it's overwhelming and be divided and be mad and be afraid. I need to preach truth to my own heart. And, and it can happen with a journal. It can happen in quietness. It can happen with loudness. It can, it can be that I'm going to turn on worship music. I'm so grateful for our worship department. I don't know, you know if you appreciate how hard they have been working to create worship for you throughout the week online. For you to just be able to just one song at a time, hear the gospel. And if you listen to the songs we choose, the songs declare the gospel. We don't sing about much other than Jesus and the fact that he really lived, he really died, and he really rose from the dead. If you're looking for more than that, we don't got a lot more than that. That's my hope. That's what I stand on. And, and so preaching the gospel to yourself, it can look like actually going through the thing of using the resources Checking in online and, and downloading podcasts and listening to the message because we're teaching and preaching through a book, Galatians, right now, which is all about discovering the gospel and keeping the gospel simple and keeping the gospel pure and not trading it for another gospel. And so this desperate need to rediscover who we are as followers of Jesus Christ will not only change how we see ourselves individually, but it will see ourselves differently as the church of God. And it'll see us, cause us to see this world differently. And, and that's, that's what this passage is about. Let me read from you from Galatians chapter 3, verse 23. Now, up to this point in Galatians, the Apostle Paul has been writing to this region, this group of churches where false teachers have come in and they wanted to give them another gospel that Paul says is no gospel at all. It was Jesus plus something. 
Jesus plus religion, Jesus plus works, Jesus plus morality, Jesus plus social action, Jesus plus political involvement, Jesus plus new psychology, Jesus plus something. And Paul was saying that whenever you add something to Jesus, you destroy, you destroy the gospel and you create a new gospel, a new thing. You say, no, I knew that Jesus was good news, but this new thing I've added makes it better news. And what you actually do is you create a new gospel that Paul says is no gospel at all. That, that instead of coming back every day and saying, my only hope of ever standing before God as loved and accepted is not what I've done, but it's what Jesus Christ has done for me on the cross. That's my only hope. That's my only hope. And to be reminded and to come back to that, it changes. The fact that I'm a child of God is not that because I've earned it or because I, I was better than everybody else or I went to church enough. The fact that I'm a child of God is because Jesus Christ died for me. That is the gospel. That is the pure, true, simple gospel. And that's what Paul has been preaching to them all about. Well, now in this second part of the book of Galatians, he's starting to talk about the implications of the gospel. That if this gospel is true, if this gospel is real, if it moves from the head to the heart, well, there's some implications for that gospel. It's going to change the way you think. Unless it's just, you know, an academic intellectual exercise for you. Something you just put on on Sundays or when you're feeling a little blue. It's going to change the way you think. It's going to change the way you feel about things. It's going to stir your passions about things that stir the passions of God. It's going to stir, stir how you act in terms of your reality. When you do things that are inconsistent with the gospel, it's going to bother you and God's going to call you back. When you do things that are consistent with the gospel, it's going to bring life and health and peace. And it's going to create the implication of how you treat people. The single, listen now, are you listening? Who's listening? The single greatest implication and indication that the gospel has moved from your head to your heart is how you treat people. It's as simple as that. That how you treat people is the best indication of whether or not you're living the gospel. A lot of people believe in the gospel. We've got to live the gospel. That because these things really happen, it has changed everything for me. Now listen to the word of God. He says, now before faith came, we were held captive under a law. A set of rules that we thought were the good news. A set of obligation. A set of morality. A set of our best effort to get to God. We were held captive. We were enslaved to that. Imprisoned until coming faith would be revealed. So he said, anything but the true gospel is a slavery. It's a, it's a captivity. It's a brokenness. That's true of religion. That's true of whatever you think is the good news, the thing you're so excited about. Then he goes down in verse 26. He says, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons and daughters of God through faith. Now that's the implication of the gospel, that because of the gospel, I'm a child of God. It doesn't matter what you think of me, I'm a child of God. It doesn't matter if you're enjoying this sermon right now, I'm a child of God. It doesn't matter, you know, if I have good days or bad days. It doesn't matter if I get slandered, I get attacked, I'm a child of God. And although those things at times may sting, they may struggle, whatever, at the end of the day, I can run back to the foundation that I'm a child of God. That is who I am. And that is the one thing that could never change. All kinds of other things can change. Other relationships can change, other jobs can change, other positions can change, other situations can change in, in our country, in our nation, but that has not changed. We are sons of God. But notice it's a plural. 
that I'm a son of God and you are sons and daughters of God. And so now I can no longer look at you as other, stranger, bad person. You believe the wrong things. You go to the wrong church. You vote the wrong way. You're not wearing a mask. Hey, you're wearing a mask. Whatever it is that has caused you to put someone in a group of other, Jesus doesn't see it that way, especially as we're Christians, because we're brothers and sisters. As a parent, nothing broke my heart more than when my kids were cruel to each other. Nothing broke my heart more than that. How much more does God feel that way about his people? Now, verse 27, he says, For as many as you were baptized into Christ, look at this, have put on Christ. Now, some of you believe in Christ. You need to put on Christ. And every day you need to put on Christ. You need to start again by preaching the gospel yourself, reminding yourself who you are in Christ and what the implications are to that and how that means I'm supposed to think different and feel different and act different and love different. Because not to get God's forgiveness, but because I have God's forgiveness, not as a requirement to find God's love, but as a result of the fact that I've been given God's love. It, it just, it's just what naturally comes when we put on the gospel and moves from our head to our heart. Verse 28, he says another implication of the gospel. There therefore is neither Jew nor Greek. Now that's a racial thing. Jews hated Greeks, Greeks hated Jews, and they had made up their mind that they were other. They were outside of my obligation to love, God's obligation to love. God doesn't love them. He loves us in a special way. They're in the wrong group. He says, for there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free. We're going to talk about that here in a couple of weeks. In a couple of weeks, I'm actually going to teach through a little book in the, the New Testament called Philemon. We're going to spend three weeks on a book in the Bible, New Testament, that has one chapter. So powerful. But if you don't understand the dynamics of slavery and freedom, you won't understand that book. But in Paul's time, he came and said, there's no such thing as slave and free. So imagine a Roman world where you go to a church and all of a sudden the, the, the owner of the house becomes a Christian. And then a couple days later, one of his slaves becomes a Christian. And then Paul shows up and says, oh, by the way, you're now brothers. What's that going to change? How's that going to affect things? What are the implications of that? That when you understand the power of the gospel changes everything, we need to desperately rediscover the gospel. It says, neither Jew nor free, slave nor free, neither male nor female. And breaking down those barriers and their division, we are all equal in Christ. For he says, you are all one in Christ. We are united in Christ. Our first citizenship is in the citizenship of God. Our eternal citizenship is in the kingdom of God. And so when we remember that, it's got to stop and just cause us to just, 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 Stopping our tracks. You see, we not only need to start our days by preaching or speaking or reminding ourselves of the gospel, we need to remind ourselves of the gospel all day long. So, so what would that look like? Well, what would it look like is it would look like, you know, when I'm watching the news, and the news is either telling me to do one of two things, okay? They are not your friend. Why do you give them so much of your time and attention? Why do I? <laughs> they are telling you one of two things. They're telling you to be angry or to be afraid. Be angry or to be afraid. And Jesus tells us, like th over 300 times in the Bible, do not be afraid. Why? Well, because I really lived, I really died, I really rose from the dead. 
And Jesus also says, there are really wicked things to be angry about, but be angry about the things that I would be angry about. And he says, by the way, don't sin in your anger. Don't sin in your anger. And so if they're constantly telling you that, for me to come back and remember, okay, what does the gospel says? It says that Jesus really lived, he really died, he really rose from the dead. That means he's got a plan, he knows what he's doing. I'm going to trust in him, and I'm not going to give away my, 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 my soul and my heart to fear and anxiety and anger. It, 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 it can be what happens when we worry about the fall. What's going to happen with the fall with our jobs and our businesses and our schools? And a lot of that's uncertain, and certainly some anxiety makes some sense. But to come back and say, okay, I'm a child of God. And I believe that my Father in Heaven is a good Father. And He's told me to look at the, the flowers of the field. If you were to look at this hillside just over here, up at the prayer garden, He, he says, just look at them. He says, he says, I take care of them. He says, look at the birds there, I take care of them. He says, you're worth so much more than that. He says, there's going to be some stuff, there's going to be some struggles, but I'm with you, and I'm going to help you, and I'm going to take care of you, because you're my child. Why are we His child? Because Jesus really lived, He really died, He really rose from the dead. Desperately need to rediscover the Gospel. Maybe when you're feeling threatened, you're feeling the unrest in our country and the division in our country, and you don't know how to respond. And half the time you're feeling bad about things that have happened, and then other time you're feeling defensive about things that are being said, and you're being torn apart of that. Maybe you remember that, oh, Jesus came to bring me peace with God. When he, when he rose from the dead, when he died, there became a peace between me and God, and now I can find peace in myself, and now... I can start working to become an agent of peace with other people. So when I'm met with anger and fear and accusation, what does it look like for me to respond in love and patience and understanding? What if in my conversations I strove to understand rather than to be understood and, and, and love define me? Well, that's when the gospel moves from the head to the heart, you see. Maybe when, when, when someone tears you down or rejects you, they say something mean or cruel or a little jabbing comment or, or you feel forgotten or overlooked, you run back to your identity in Christ, that I'm a child of God. No matter who rejects me, I'm accepted by Christ. Not only will that allow you to overcome the sting when we really are rejected, it frees you from seeing rejection maybe where no rejection actually exists. And you expect to be rejected and so you look for it everywhere. And when you accept the acceptance of Christ, it frees you from that need that, that, that you try to get your acceptance from other people through performance or whatever. Maybe um, when I'm tempted to see someone as another, when I'm tempted to say, oh, you vote that way, or you're a masker, or not masker, or, 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 or you feel this way, or you feel that way, or, or whatever it is, you take a step back and you say to yourself first, Jesus died for me and I have life. Jesus died for them too. Jesus loves them. I guess I'm supposed to love them. Well, what if they, 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 they metaphorically slap me with words or, or reject me? Well, he says, turn the other cheek. What gives you the strength to do that? The fact that Jesus really lived, he really died, and he really rose from the dead. See, see this is not just something we declare as a statement of faith to get into heaven someday, this is supposed to shape our lives. And it removes the distinctions. It removes the other. Whenever I see someone on the opposite side of something I think, feel, or want, I, I, the first thing I need to ask myself is how can I point them to Jesus? Not how can I get what I want? How can I alleviate the threat that I perceive them to be? How can I marginalize their argument so I feel more secure and comfortable? 
but rather, how can I experience love? How can I see them as someone created in the image of God? You see, there's an opportunity for us here to put on Christ, to preach the gospel to ourselves, to discover what it means, again, to be a person who is in Christ. So I want to challenge you with some next steps. I want to challenge you this week to imagine yourself putting on Christ. Even I've had some people in the past, I just imagine myself putting on a Jesus suit. You know, I'm just imagine, I go through the motion of actually putting on Christ. Okay, I'm putting on Christ. I'm doing it to protect myself. I'm doing it to define myself. I'm doing it to empower myself. I'm doing it so that you can use me to do good things around me. But I'm going to remind myself that I am on, in Christ. I'm going to use the resources we're creating. You know, I'm going to download podcasts. I'm going to listen to the messages. I'm going to take some time, four minutes out of the day. I'm going to get one of those songs online or, or on Facebook or whatever platform you're on. And I'm going to listen to that worship song. And I'm going to remind, let the, the gospel remind, be reminded about this. You know, um, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to, if I'm a youth, I'm going to come to a youth group. Because they're gathering in small groups around campfires. These campfire things you're seeing all over the campus are so that we can do that. And our children's ministry is doing the same thing. I'm going to gather in groups. Listen, I know it's a hassle. I know that Zoom can be hard. I know that it just there's a lot going on. It's easier just to stay home and hunker down. But we need each other. We need to be calling each other, reaching out to each other. We need to be the church to one another. That's what it means to be in Christ. Well, why? Well, because they're your brothers and sisters. And so the danger of isolation needs to, to be set aside. We need to remember that we are one in Christ. You know, I had a thought the other day, and I've been praying about this and thinking about this deeply. And I think it's something you're going to hear a lot as we teach through Philemon, as we teach through Acts in the fall, is this, is that for a long time I thought what Christianity was all about was equality. That is to say that Jesus has taught that we're all equal, and that indeed is true in Christ. It's been said, at the foot of the cross, the ground is level. We all stand on equal ground and solid ground. But as I've been thinking and praying and studying the scriptures, I recognize that that can't be my perspective. That if my perspective is, I want to make you equal with me, I haven't gone far enough. But because what Jesus did was he made himself less than me. You see, it says in the scriptures, who was in very nature of God, <coughs> did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. He made himself less to lift someone out. And so, as a Christian, I should be more concerned about your feelings, your thoughts, your needs, your opinions, your concerns. Not just that I be heard, but that I make sure you're heard. And so, as a Christian, I shouldn't be striving for my equality. I should be striving for lifting up those who are around me in the most wonderful way. That's what, the, that's what the gospel is all around. Stay positive, church. Keep a spirit of service. Christ came to serve. And so serve in your family. Serve in the community. As we get going at church again, there are many people who um, are not able to serve because of health conditions and because they're caring for vulnerable people. And so... We're going to need some people to help serve to get the church going again. If you can do that, if you're young and you're healthy and you're willing to, and you're willing to do it in the spirit of saying, I just, want to, I just want to help people hear the gospel and live the gospel, we're going to need you to help serve. And so, so there's opportunity here for us to take the gospel from the head to the heart in the deepest and the most profound way. Now, I do want to let you know that we have church this weekend online. 
because there's a lot of folks who aren't here, and for reasons of health and other things, um, they're watching online. And so Sean Kaiser has given an incredible message through this entire passage of Scripture. I actually heard him give it earlier in the week. Powerful message, and it's going to be on our podcast. It's going to be online, and so you could listen to that too. If this passage of Scripture has rocked you, Sean actually taught it deeper than I just did. And, and so, so, so you could dive in there as well. Okay, church, let's pray together. Father God, we believe in Jesus. We believe that you are God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And we believe in your son, Jesus Christ. We believe that he really came to earth. We believe he was born of a virgin. We believe that he taught us the right way to live, the right way to think, the right way to teach people. And, and we want to see what you have to say about that, Jesus. We're going to read your Gospels. And Jesus, we really believe that because we could not save ourselves, you died on a cross that we might be saved. You took the penalty of sin, the wrath of God, every judgment, every condemnation, every negativity, all that has been poured out on you on the cross. And so we do not focus on what we have done, whether good or bad. We focus on what you have done, Lord Jesus Christ, on the cross. And we once again declare our faith and trust in you and what you have done. And Jesus, we really believe, history attests to it, the testimony of the first Christians, the evidence of the first Christian declared that you rose from the dead. And if God the Father rose you from the dead, we believe your promise that you will one day raise us to walk with you in newness of life. And so we don't focus on this temporary. We ask you to give us an eternal resurrection perspective. And Jesus, we believe you're coming back. You're coming back to judge the living and the dead. You're coming back to establish your kingdom, the eternal kingdom, where our citizenship cannot be shaken, cannot be lost. It is a place of peace and life and health and growth. And we set our hearts there. Give us this perspective this day. Father, we believe that the Holy Spirit, that we believe in the Holy Church, that we are all your people together. We are the people of God, and we are called to love one another and serve one another and build one another up and bear one another's burdens. This is the implication of the gospel, that we not only are called to love you, we are called to love each other. Father, we believe in Jesus. We believe in everything that the gospel teaches us. And we want the gospel to change us. We want it to change it, change us in every way. We, we celebrate now. And even as we sing this song, one of them, about your return, Father, we just pray, ah, thank you. And we pray, hallelujah. And we thank you for the gospel. And we pray now even, come Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <laughs>